16th, and uh, I really had planned yesterday, uh, even when I went to bed last night, I planned on preaching something else, and I woke up about 3 o'clock this morning, it seemed like the Lord had this on my heart, and uh, I want to try to be a blessing to you this morning. Now, I will say this, I preached this uh, before, like I preached it here, uh, my, I, I looked back, I think it was in January of 2020 uh, that I preached it. I do know it was, it may not have been, it may have been after that because it was during COVID. I remember preaching it sitting at my kitchen table uh, doing a live stream. And uh, But just seemed like last night, early this morning, the Lord just stirred my heart about this, about this scripture. And I'm going to do my yeah. best to be here to you this morning. Do my best to mind the Lord. Matthew chapter number 16. Can you find your places if you can? Stand with me uh, for the honor and reverence of the reading of the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 16. And let's begin reading in verse number 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24. The Bible said, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is, what is a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Notice verse 27. The Bible said, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then, and, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, notice verse 28. That's where I'm really interested in this morning, and I won't try to mind the Lord best we can. Bible said, verse 28, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure do love you this morning. I'm thankful for the privilege, the honor to be back in your house once again. Thank you for each one that's made the way out this morning. Lord, I realize that, Lord, there's many needs, many burdens, many requests upon hearts. And Lord, I pray you have you with them waiting each and every one this morning. Lord, I thank for Sunday school, for you bless this year as we do our best to endeavor to study and gain more knowledge concerning your word. Lord, I pray to help us as only you can. Lord, I pray most of all this morning, for it be one of the midst lost on them without you. Lord, I pray you'd save them. For it's everlasting too late. We'll be careful this morning. Give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name for say, Amen and Amen. And be seated. And thank you for standing with me this morning. Now, verse 27 and 28 is what uh, uh, Brother Kenny mentioned this morning. I believe it was about some controversial uh, passages in your Bible. Verse 27, especially 28, is a lot of, uh, no, there's a lot of controversy that rages around it. Now, look at verse 27 with me quickly. The Bible said, For the Son of Man shall come uh, in the glory of his Father with his angels. Uh, then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, we understand without doubt that uh, this, verse 27, is in reference to the return of Christ. Now, uh, we got to make a little bit of a difference there before we get started. And uh, then I, I'm going to lay a pretty good-sized foundation, and I'll do my best to preach to you. Now, there is a difference this morning between the rapture and the return of Christ. We're not careful. Right. We combine the two together. We think of the same thing. But 
What I want you to understand this morning is when the church is raptured out, and uh, if the rapture jump were to take place right now, and which, by the way, is very possible. Right. Uh, there's nothing, no, no signs, no, uh, no fulfillment has to be done in order for the church to be raptured. Uh, it can happen at any moment. That is, well, that stirs my heart to think about that. And, uh, but John, if the rapture took place right now, those of us uh, uh, which were alive, saved by the grace of God, would immediately uh, be raptured up, if you would caught up, the Bible terminology, would be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, before that happens, we know that dead Christ shall rise first. Uh, then those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together uh, uh, to meet the Lord there. And then Paul closes out that uh, that phrase, that, that paragraph, if you would, with the statement that, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that's not what verse 27 is talking about. Why that's exciting, that, that's not what verse 27 is in reference to. Let me show it to you again. Look at me quickly. Verse 27, chapter 16, the Bible said, For the Son of Man uh, shall come in the glory of his fathers uh, with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Now, here's what I want you to see. When he raptures the church, uh, he's not necessarily John coming in the glory of his father. In fact, he's not going to step foot on the earth. We're going to be called up to meet him in the air that time. Not, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to realize, Ronald, what happened. In fact, we understand it's going to be a mystery. They're going to be. They're going to be. There's going to be all this speculation about what happened. All of a sudden, all the saved are gone. Now, nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know. I, I've heard a lot of preachers speculate. I'm not going to do that. Brother Kenny just warned us this morning about staying within the confines of Scripture. But have you ever thought about uh, things that have happened just in my lifetime? How that yeah, I can see it almost, Brother Kenny, sitting up uh, for when the rapture of the church takes place. And, uh, all of a sudden, it's going to think about, uh, I'm not getting out of Scripture, Kenny, but just think about for a minute. Uh, uh, this great controversy we had just a few years ago about whether to get a COVID vaccine, whether or not to get a COVID vaccine, whether it's going to make you sick, was it not going to make you sick? Do you not see how these things set up? To all of a sudden, it seems like that. Well, maybe all the ones that's gone, maybe they took a COVID vaccine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, do you see how the world is setting up to all to explain these things? And, uh, but that's the rapture of the church. And not, nobody's going to see him. He's not going to be seen. Uh, it's going to be this mystery. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene. Part of that, he's going to come up with some reason why these people are gone. And he's going to have all the answers that nobody else understands. And I don't know what that is any more than you do. Uh, but that's the rapture. But what we're talking about here, chapter 16, is the return of Christ. That takes place seven years after the rapture of the church. That's when he comes back. This time he comes not as a babe wrapped in a manger, but as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, with, uh, with God to rule and reign with a rod of iron. And from his mouth proceedeth a sharp two-edged sword, which he is by the way, the word of God, that he should smite the nations. And that John is when he's going to judge the Gentile nation of the world and proclaim Israel back into himself and set up his kingdom. That's what he's talking about in verse 27. Now, with that being said, understanding the context of the, of the text this morning, look at verse 28. Here's where the controversy takes place. Jesus now, red letter, if you got a red letter back, verse 28 in red letters, Jesus said this, Verily I say unto you, that word verily means truly, of a truth. That's what it means. So he's telling them, though he even specifies that it is of a truth. I say unto you, there be some standing here 
which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, let's agree this morning. I hope we can agree. If you can't, I don't know, I don't know what to tell But let me say this. Let's agree, I think we'd all agree on this, that the rapture has not yet taken place. Is that right? Okay, we agree on that. Can we agree this morning that the return of Christ is still seven years future of the rapture? Yeah. And in the context, John, we're not even talking about the rapture. We're talking about the return of Christ. And he tells them in verse 28, of a truth, there'd be some standing there, standing here. Where is that? That day, the disciples stand around. There'd be some standing there that would not taste of death till they see him coming in his glory and his kingdom. Is that right? Now that causes a lot of controversy. I'm going to tell you why. Every one of the disciples are dead. Yeah. And we just agreed. His kingdom's not been set up. Is that right? Now we know this morning that your Bible is not uh, that your Bible has no contradictions. We realize there is no error. We talked about that already this morning. So you said, Preacher, how in the world can you explain that? Well, there's a few things I want you to notice. Notice that he did not say that all of them would not taste death. He said there'd be some standing here which should not taste of death. In fact, he said, Preacher, that don't make any sense. They're all dead. I understand. Just stay with me. Notice he said there'd be some here that would not taste of death. There's a son of man coming in his kingdom. Look with me in chapter 17, if you would. I want to show you a few things. Now, we agree. We don't get anything else. I want you to get this. You agree this morning. We're not talking about the rapture of the church. We're talking about the return of Christ when he comes and sets up his kingdom. Verse 28 even says, uh, there be some sin here which shall not taste death. There says, some man coming in his kingdom. That's the context. We're talking about the millennial reign of Christ when he comes back and judges the Gentile nations. And sets up his earthly kingdom, sits on the throne of David for a thousand years. That is the context of chapter 16, verse 27 and 28. Now, with that being said, watch chapter 17, verse 1. After six days, so six days have come by, have come to pass since this statement has been made. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, bringeth them up into a high mountain of pot. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter, saying to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Jesus came, touched them, said, Arise, be not afraid. And they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, save Jesus only. Look at verse number 9. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision of no man, till the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Now, let's stay with me just for a minute. I made a big foundation, we let it be a little bitty house, all right? Now, stay with me. Verse chapter 16, verse 27, 28, we agree this morning talking about the return of Christ when he sets up his millennial kingdom. And there's going to be some of these disciples that are there in chapter 16 that are not going to taste death till they see the Son of Man 
coming in his kingdom. Is that what the Bible said? Now, that seems controversial. A lot of people, you know, that a lot of times, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, besides a, a Bible hater, somebody's against the Bible, they're going to, a lot of times they'll use this text to say, see, that's a contradiction. They're all dead by your own profession. You're saying the rapture's not taking place, the return of Christ hasn't taking place, he's not set up his kingdom. So how do you explain that? Well, chapter 17 is the key. Chapter 17, I really believe, is the answer. Now, uh, about six days after that, the Bible said, Bible said verse 17, chapter 17, verse 1, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother. Now, would you agree with us? They, I'm going to lay a big foundation, a little bit half. Would you agree that Peter, James, and John would be, now notice what I say, some of them which stood there in chapter 16. Is that right? Not all of them, but some of them. Is that right? All right. So, chapter 17, the transfiguration, Mount, Mount Transfiguration, I believe is the key to unlocking chapter 16, verse 27 and 28. Now, while these three men may not have seen the literal return of Christ, I do believe, before their death, we, I do believe all my heart that Peter, James, and John saw him as he will be when he returns. Would you agree with that? All right, now, let me say this. And not only John did they see him as he will be, we're going to find out when we get done, if the Lord will help us, they saw a beautiful, beautiful picture of the millennial kingdom of Christ. Let me show you. Uh, with the help of the Lord, I'll do my best to do that this morning. We'll go to the house, all right? So let's talk about a few things here. This very familiar text, chapter 17. Let's talk about the Mount Transfiguration and look at it maybe a little bit different than we have in the past. A few things that Peter, James, and John saw. And what I want to hit me, I want to preach on this all the typology in the transfiguration. Now, stay with me just for a minute. I promise you, it, it'll get better. I want to show us the first thing they saw. Look in verse 1. The Bible said, After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. Watch this now. His face uh, did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So now get the picture. Jesus takes them six days after making this statement in chapter 16, verse 28. Ronald, Jesus takes them up to a high mountain apart, and while they're there, all of a sudden the Bible said he was transfigured that before them, and his face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. That word transfigured literally means this. It means to let what's on the inside out. Now, God, don't get excited about that. Now remember, we talked just the other night about how that uh, John 1, the Bible said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then go check verse 14. The Bible said, the Word was made flesh. Isn't that right? Now, he's still God, and every time that Jesus was not 100% God, but now he's manifested himself in flesh. To look at him, John, Peter, James, and John saw the great works that he did. They saw, they heard the words that he spake. And you remember time and time again through the Gospels, there were statements made like, never a man spake like this man, and behold the man. And I, I mean, he was, no doubt he was extraordinary, but we must understand that all for those 33 and a half years, he looked wrong just like everybody else. Now, look at him. Nobody would have said, oh, there's anything special about him. In fact, you do realize his own half-brothers have 
uh, did not believe on him until after his resurrection. Now, they grew up with him. They saw they knew him better than anybody. But Kenny, there was nothing that made them think, boy, he's different. He looked yeah. just like everybody else. Uh, but on this day, chapter 17, he takes these three men up into a high mountain apart. And the Bible said that he was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun is when his raiment white like the light. Now, that word transfigured literally means to let what's on the inside out. Here's what happened. They saw him, not for his outward appearance, but he was transfigured. Now, they saw him as the king of kings uh, and the lord of lords. Now, let me say something right there. Don't, don't fail to realize we talk a lot about how that he's coming again as the king of kings. That doesn't mean there's ever been a time he was the king of kings. Right. Right. Uh, that song, I can't think of the name of it. Some of you know I'm not good with songs. But uh, that song, uh, when they crown him Lord of all, I'll be there. Now, I understand, I understand, Kirk, what that song's saying. That, that's worth getting excited about. I, I realize we're going to take our cranny crowns we have. We're going to lay down. I understand that. Uh, but I want to make a statement. Uh, Michelle, I, I'm not crowning him Lord of all. He's been Lord of all since the beginning. Uh, he doesn't need me to give him a crown. He doesn't need me to tell him who he is. He is the King of Kings. Uh, he is the Lord of Lords. Uh, at Calvary, he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, in the tomb, he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, in the manger, he was the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords. And when he comes again, he'll be the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords. By the way, for all eternity, he'll be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, uh, but he did not manifest himself that way in his earthly ministry. Isn't that right? Yeah. But here on the Mount of Transfiguration, that's how they see him. He's transfigured. He lets what's on the inside out. So can I say this? They saw number one. They saw the returning king. They saw him as he will be. Uh, turn with me to Revelation. Hold your place there in Matthew and turn with me to Revelation 19 real quick if you will. I'm not saying much. I just want to read you a, a, a little passage of scripture. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. All right. Revelation 19. Now while you're turning, let me read to you one more time. Verse 2. He was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun. And his dream, that was white as the light. Now think about that. Let's think about his return in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, verse number 11. Listen to what your Bible said. Here's what John said. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Watch verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven fought him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth forth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. He should rule with him with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture on his side name written King of Kings uh, and Lord of Lords. Now do you see with me the similarities? Uh, hey, nobody else on earth, John, ever saw him that way. Just these three men. Uh, uh, nobody else. No, the rest of the disciples saw it. Uh, nobody else but Peter, James, and John uh, ever saw him like this. Uh, and what he's saying in chapter 16, some of these uh, will not taste death till they see the Son of Man uh, coming in his kingdom. Uh, they saw his face did shine as the sun. Uh, his raiment was white as the light. Uh, uh, do you see the similarities between that and chapter 19 of the book of Revelation? Uh, when he comes back, uh, 
up his kingdom and rule and reign with a rod of iron. They saw him as he will be. They saw the returning king. Now that's not all that happens in this, in this millennial kingdom. That's not all that happens when he comes back. But it is a large portion of it. It's interesting. As far as I know, as far as I can tell, they're the only three that ever saw him that way. Now, everybody else is just the carpenter's son. Everybody else is just the prophet. Everybody else is just the teacher. Everybody else is just the miracle worker. But to them, uh, they saw him at the Mount Transfiguration in a way uh, that nobody else had ever seen. They saw the returning king. Now, look with me in Matthew chapter 17. And verse number three. Now that's amazing. He's on this mountain. They took him high mountain apart. Transfigured before. Face did shine like the sun. Raiment was wide as the light. Then all of a sudden, in verse three, something else happened. Watch what your Bible said. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Now what about that? Not only did they see him like nobody else ever seen. But all of a sudden, Moses himself and Elijah himself pop up on this mountain and get to have a conversation with the Lord. What about that? Now, if we're not careful, we run over that and we think about how that's amazing. But I want to say this. There's nothing in your Bible on accident. There's nothing there by happenstance. There's a reason that it was Moses and Elijah. Now, I'm going to get into something a little bit debatable, but... It says in the book of Revelation, you'll remember the two witnesses in the book of Revelation. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people say they believe that it was going to be Elijah and Enoch because they never tasted death on this earth and the two witnesses will die. Well, if that's what you believe, that's fine. You don't want to hurt my feelings. Personally, if you study out the two witnesses, I believe it's going to be Moses and Elijah. Personally, if you study out what they do, the, the, the plagues that they bring forth, the things that happen, I believe it's going to be Moses and Elijah. If you don't agree with them, that's all right. But I do know, Kenny, that they both appeared, Moses and Elijah both appeared here in chapter 17 yeah. on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there is a reason. Now, let's think a minute, let's think about it, take them one by one. Let's think about Moses just for a minute. Now, I've already told you about Elijah. He's one of two men in your Bible that never died. Is that right? What about Moses? Moses, he's a wonderful man, great leader of the nation of Israel. Let him, out of, let him out of Egypt. Many, a lot of great things that he did. Uh, but he died. All right? We, we find that. In fact, you go ahead and behold your places there. Turn with me if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Stay with me just a minute. I, I know I'm turning a lot, but I, I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Verse number one. The Bible said Moses went up from the plains of Moab under the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. The Lord showed to him the land of Gilead and Dan and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah under the utmost sea and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho the city of palm trees under Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I'll give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, watch this, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now watch verse 6. And he buried him. Did you notice that? And he buried him 
Notice that he buried him in a valley, the land of Moab, over against Bethuel. No man knoweth of his sepulchre unto this day. Verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force of vain. Now that's interesting. According to Deuteronomy 34, Moses died. God takes him up on the mountain, lets him see the promised land. You remember he can't go in because the first time God told him to smite the rock, he smote the rock, water come forth. The next time he told him, Ronald, to speak to the rock, Moses decided to be better to smite the rock. He marred the type of Christ. Because of that, God wouldn't allow him to go into the promised land. So he takes him up, lets him see it from the land of Moab. Then Moses dies there on the mountain. The Bible said that he took him, told him about God, took him and buried him. No man knew of his sepulcher unto this day. So would you agree with me? Moses dies. God buries him. He has an unusual death, if you would, at least an unusual burial. Uh, no man knows where he is. You'll remember that uh, Satan come asking about the body of Moses. Remember the, uh, you remember all the dispute there? Now, we understand an unusual death, uh, but he died. The Bible clearly said he died. He was buried. Is that right? He didn't just die. He died and was buried. Is that right? But now they're making seventeen. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration, evidently getting in a body. Yeah. God help my God. He died and was buried. At, if you go to Matthew 17, he's, he's, he's on the mountain. At, he's with the Lord. At, evidently, he's in a body at, because Peter, James, and John recognized him for who he was. Right. He's not just there. The Bible said he's talking with the Lord. So not only did they see the returning king, but can I say this? Uh, they saw a picture of those that will be resurrected. Yeah. Is that right? Moses died and was buried. Uh, but now, God, help my time. In Matthew 17, he's standing on the mountain of the Lord. Uh, and now he's in a body. Isn't that right? Uh, but the Bible said this that we, which were alive and remain, that the dead Christ shall rise first. Uh, then those of us climb and the car together and make the Lord in the air. Uh, and I say there is coming a day, thank God, uh, of the graves will burst open uh, and the, 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 the deceased saints that have died have been buried. Uh, uh, their body will raise. Uh, uh, this corrupt will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. We'll have a glorified body like unto him uh, and will forever and ever and ever be with the Lord. Uh, and these disciples saw that, uh, a picture of it in Moses. It's a picture of those that are resurrected. He died and was buried, but now here he is with the Lord. Uh, and John, he's got a body. He's speaking. Uh, he's there on the mountain uh, with the Lord. And these disciples saw that. Now, hang on just a minute. Talk, remember, we're talking about, I'm trying to prove to you that it's a picture of his kingdom. Now, let's think about it just for a moment. We read it a minute ago, Revelation 19, when he comes back riding on a white horse. And the Bible says that the armies of heaven were riding on white horses with. Is that right? And the king, you say, preacher, that might be his angels. Might be, but I tell you this: every time in your Bible you find a white robe wearer, it's a picture of the saints. Mm -hmm. Is that right? 
They said, Preacher, what do you say? I say it like this. I'm not a bit ashamed of it. I believe with all my heart, God, he's coming back one day. When he comes, he's right on the white horse. I don't know how it's going to happen. One of the hardest questions, one of the greatest theological questions I reckon I've ever been asked was by Andrew. He's about five years old. He said, Daddy, I preached this one time. He said, Daddy, when we come back with him, riding on them white horses, are we going to come by? Are we going to come by the planets and the stars? Will we see all that riding on them horses? I said, Honey, I don't know. And he said, Daddy, where do them horses come from? I said, Honey, I don't know. But all I do know is this. I believe with all my heart he's coming back right on a white horse. I believe you've been saved by the grace of God. You're coming back with him right on a white horse. He's going to judge and make war. He's going to smite the nations. And I remember when I was a little boy, I heard a preacher preach on that one time. And boy, it brought fear to my heart. And I thought, I don't want to be in a war. I don't want to be in all this fight. I don't want to see all this stuff. But then I found out one day, the Bible never said we lifted a thing. In fact, don't even say we have a weapon. Out of his mouth, for say, the sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God, whereby he'll smite the nations. The only reason, by the way, the only reason we're coming back with him is the scripture said to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Where he is. That's where we're going to be. Uh, so when he comes back, thank God we're coming back with him. Picture of the resurrected. Those that have died in faith in Christ and they'll be resurrected and given a glorified body to reign and rule with Christ. These men saw that here in Matthew 17 in the picture of Moses. Let me give you what let me give you what I put in my notes just in case I mess up. I said, what a picture of the rat of the resurrection of the saints. At the rapture of the church, the graves will burst open, the bodies of the saints will arise. They'll become glorified bodies and reinhabit with the souls of those who have died in Christ. During the millennial kingdom, these resurrected saints will again walk the earth with the Lord. What about that? Now, going back to chapter 17, verse number 3, that's, that's not all that appeared. There, Moses was there, but also the Bible said, Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias from Elijah talking with him. Now, Elijah is a whole different, a whole different ballgame. He's peculiar. He didn't die. You see it, don't you? Some of you see it already. I'm telling you. He didn't die. Remember the story, don't you? Remember how Elijah and Elisha, Elisha stayed with him? And Elijah told him that if he saw him taking that he had a double portion of fault. Remember the fiery chariot and the whirlwind of fire? And man, Elisha saw him. How was it it was worded? Caught up in the heaven? Was that? That sounds kindly familiar, don't it? There's going to be, oh, in the, at the rapture of the church, the dead in Christ will resurrect, but there's also going to be some that are raptured. And there have, now, somebody said, preacher, the word rapture is not in your Bible. You're right. You can tell you what else is sitting there. The word Bible is not in your Bible either. All right? The terminology the Bible uses is to be called up together, but it means to be raptured. The word rapture means to be called up. It's to be raptured out so to suddenly be called up to be with the Lord in the air. And we see that if, if Moses is a picture of the resurrected, then in the person of Elias, then these, these three men definitely, and without a doubt, saw a picture of those that were to be raptured. Scriptures make it clear that Moses died, but it also makes it clear that Elijah did not die. Turn me to 2 Kings chapter 2 real quick. I'm not staying long. I know, you, I know I'm preaching long this morning. Stay with me just a minute, and I, I'll do my best to make you up. 2 Kings Chapter number two. Second Kings chapter number two. Look at me in verse number nine. Second Kings chapter two and verse number nine. Bible, and it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said to Elisha, 
Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Verse 10, he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Now watch this, verse 11. It came to pass, they went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, parted them both asunder. Now watch this, and Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. So Moses died. We see him in a body. Man, transfiguration. Elijah didn't die. That right? He just went up. Is that what your Bible said? But now here he is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, what Jesus say in Matthew 16, 28, Verily I say to you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So in order to see that, they've got to see him in his glory. They've got to see those that have been resurrected because they'll be there. And they're going to have to see those that were raptured because they're going to be there. And they're right. And they see it. They see him in his glory. They see Moses, picture of those that are resurrected. And they see Elias, those that never died. They just called out. Ain't that beautiful? Don't you love your Bible? Ain't that beautiful? It's almost like God broke the Bible, ain't it? I mean, it's almost like that. Ain't that right? How can you argue? That's beautiful there. He said some of these never part, man. There's people all over the world that's going all over their shapes and your Bible's alive. They just don't realize. Brother Kenny said this morning is hidden right there in plain sight. How many times have we read this and just looked over it? But right here it is. There he is. He's a returning king. They see the re they're resurrected. They see the rapture. Now, and Moses and all that. I got one more thing I'll show you. Notice this. Uh, uh, we know at the Lord's return, those which were alive and remained in the church will be raptured out, which will begin the tribulation period. However, after seven years of tribulation, those who have been raptured along as those who have been resurrected will return to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. So we've seen the returning king. We've seen the resurrected. We've seen the raptured here. But what about, there's, there's one more crowd going to be in that millennial kingdom. Now the church gets raptured out. Right? Then Christ rise first. That's the dead saints. They're caught out. Then the, those of us who are alive and the church, saved by the grace of God, they're called up to be with the Lord. All right? That begins the tribulation period. Now, there's a lot of speculation about, a lot of, I shouldn't say speculation, a lot of misunderstanding about the tribulation period. I just talked to a woman the other day who told me that she was, she didn't know what she was, but it would be what you'd call mid-trib. She told me that bad things was, we in the tribulation period, we must be getting near the middle, and at the middle, we're going to be called up. That's hogwash. That's hogwash. The church does not go through one minute of one second of the tribulation period. Isn't that right? Now watch this. Some believe we'll be called out after the tribulation period. That's hogwash. We're going to be called out before the tribulation period. Now if you need a great theological explanation for that, I'll try to get you one in the next couple of weeks. But the greatest explanation I've ever heard of that, Brother Jimmy Millsap, tremendous man of God up in um, Robbinsville, North Carolina. I, I heard him preaching one night, here's what he said to God. He said, the greatest thing that happened with that was this. He said, why in the world would a man marry a woman and when it's supposed to be her honeymoon, take her and just beat the fool out of her? Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Why in the world would he redeem himself a bride and then put her through the tribulation and just beat the fool out of her? Yeah. Is that right? Church be raptured out. Now, according to the book of Jeremiah, the tribulation period is a time of Jacob. 
Remember Jacob said God changed his name to Israel. It's for the nation of Israel. I've said he came to his own, but only received him not. God turned his attention to the Gentiles in large part to redeem himself for children. I know a Jew can still get saved, but it's a it's a rather rare occurrence. Remember, Apostle Paul, greatest missionary in your Bible, preached to the Gentiles, had a heart for the Jews, but his 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 ministry, his purpose, if you would, was to get the gospel to the Gentiles. But God is not quite done with the Jews just yet. Right now, three kinds of people in the world, according to Scripture: the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. I told you when we looked at Daniel, Daniel, 70 weeks. God only deals with one of those people at a time. Now what I mean by that is this. He started out with the Jew. The Jews rejected him. He turned his attention right now to the church. The book of Daniel, the only book in your Bible that deals with Gentile politics. The Jews were in captivity. God turned his attention from the Jew to the Gentile for just that one book and went back to the Jews. Is that right? But now, the Jews received he turned his own, they received him not. Now he's focused on the church. But when the church is called out, is that right? At the end of the tribulation period, you know what happens? That the tribulation period is God calling the Jews back to himself. At the end of the tribulation period, when he returns in that seven years and he judges all the Gentile nations. Is that right? And the Jews that have endured God. I don't have time to do There's some verses in your Bible that talk about enduring to the end. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that has nothing to do with the church. That has right. nothing to do with the church. I, I didn't endure to get saved. In fact, I'm just rejoicing, thank God, that he endured my punishment at Calvary so that I didn't have to. Isn't that right? right. I didn't endure anything to get saved. I'm not enduring anything to stay saved. Uh, Thank God, I, that's the whole point of being saved. I, right. I don't have to endure it. I, right. He endured it for me. The Jews, the end of the tribulation period, Gentiles have been judged. They've been wiped out. He's judged them. The end of the tribulation period, them Jews are going to be called back unto himself. Now, so in order for these three men, Peter, James, and John, to see the full kingdom of God, they've got to see him and his glory. They're going to have to see the saints that have been resurrected. They're going to have to see the saints that have been raptured. And they're going to have to see those Jews that have been reclaimed. Ain't that right? Watch. Stay with me. Stay with me. Just a minute. I'm done. I promise. Right here. Look with me in verse number 6 of chapter 17. <coughs> well, just for a second time, let's read verse 4. Then answered Peter, said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Well, he got that right. Old Peter, he always put his foot in his mouth. Never could learn to keep his mouth shut, but he did say a few things that was right. Now, I'll have to agree with you. If I've just seen the Lord in his glory, seen Moses and Elias, I believe I'd say it's good for us to be here, wouldn't you? But then he, he started out pretty good, but then he puts his foot in his mouth. If thou wilt, let us make your three tabernacles, one for me, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Old Peter's done got his eyes on the wrong thing. He's so mesmerized that Moses and Elijah's there. He's wanting to make a tabernacle for all of them. Well, that's not a picture of the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, it's going to be all of our hands. Watch what your Bible said. While they yet spake, verse 5, Behold a bright cloud overshadowed him, behold a voice cried the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. What about that? 
Peter put his foot in his mouth. Peter spoke up. God overshadowed him and said, This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Watch verse number six. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. Can you imagine? Peter, maybe you don't maybe don't strike you that good, but it does me. Peter reminds me a lot of myself. I'm that way. I'm real easy to put my foot in my mouth and say the wrong thing, and I'm quick to speak a lot of times. And uh, boy, there's been some times where I've got all carried away, and God just had to come basically put me in my place. Okay, now, what happened? Peter said, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. God himself speaks for him and says, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. What he was saying was, Peter, get your eyes off Moses and Elias. This is the Son of God in his glory. Isn't that right? And when they heard that, about that all the disciples fell on their face and were afraid. What did they heard? Verse number six. Is that where I'm at? Jesus came and touched them, said, Arise, be not afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. What about that? Let's think about it just for a minute. Peter, James, John. I know it's not deep and it's not theological, but what are those three? They're Jews. All right? Peter makes a mess of things, has to be rebuked. All right? And at the end, they've got their heads down on the ground, realizing just how wrong they were. And the Lord shows up, God, help my time, touches them and says, be not afraid. And when they lift their eyes up again, they saw no man, save the Lord. What, about, what a picture of the Jews. Him to his own, his own received him not. There's going to be seven years of tribulation where God rebukes and judges the nation of Israel. By the end of it, the picture-wise, be just like Peter, James, and John with their face on the ground realizing just how wrong they were. And you, you do understand, what time is it? i got to quit. You do understand the picture of what will happen. We're talking about the battle of Armageddon. What will happen is this. The end of the tribulation period, the Antichrist will make that league with the nation of Israel. There will be a treaty signed. That will actually kick off the tribulation. For three and a half years, it will not be peace or good. It'll be awful, but he will at least run on somewhat honor his agreement for the first three and a half years. After the first three and a half years, the abomination of desolation takes place. He takes away their worship. He demands they worship him and instead of instead of Christ, instead of the Lord. And uh, man, the last three and a half years are awful. And at the end of the seven years, Nancy, every nation of the earth with the Antichrist to hand is in that battle of Medigo coming against the nation of Israel. And it seems like, John, that all hope is gone. Somebody said, preacher, do you see America in in prophecy? Absolutely. That'll be at the the Battle of Armageddon, just like every other Gentile nation would. Now, I know. I got to quit. I know that hurts us. I'm as patriotic. I'm proud to be an American. But I'm going to tell you, we're wicked and carnal just like every other nation. Yeah. And they'll be at the same place every other nation of the earth will be. They'll be gathered against Israel, Paul and Antichrist, that ready to go back when it seems like all hope is gone. All of a sudden, here will come the Messiah. Step foot on the Mount of Olives. March down to defeat the armies of the world. And can you imagine in that moment 
how quickly the nation of Israel realized just how wrong they were. Can you imagine in that moment how they'll realize, Donald, that none of this had to come to pass? To come to his own and his own receiving God. Oh my, just like them disciples falling their face, fear and trembling. The Bible said he'd come and touch them and said, Be not afraid. Can you imagine, Todd, what mercy and grace that's going to be when he allows the nation of Israel that rejection? Can you imagine what grace? Now, listen, it's not, we get all better sick about how the nation of Israel is going to be saved by works. Not necessarily. It's a little bit different. It's different what we did, but it's still by grace through faith. Is that right? They come in. What grace that is to allow them to come back unto him after they rejected. What grace and mercy that is. And then for a thousand years to set up his kingdom. Restore everything that Adam lost in the garden. During that time there'll be no war. There'll be no, there'll be no, there'll be no robberies. There'll be, there'll be peace on everything that Adam lost. He'll restore. For a thousand years. All the time getting all over. But that's what these disciples, at least some of them, had to see. With their own eyes, in order for verse 28 to be true to chapter 16. And can I tell you, they saw every last bit of it. Six days later, in the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw him in his glory. They saw a picture of those that would be dead and resurrected. They saw a picture of those that would be raptured. And they saw a picture of those that would be reclaimed in the Jewish. There's nothing this morning in your Bible by happenstance. No controversy, no contradictions. That's amazing. Brother Kenny told us this morning, 66 books by some 40 different authors covering a time period of over 1,600 years. What about the fact there's not one contradiction in the entire Bible? Ain't that amazing? I hope you know I'm being sarcastic when I say it's almost like God wrote your Bible. Right? Yeah. No man could have done that. Right. No man could imagine all the chapters and verses. I know they're added later. All the words, all the sentences, all the phrases, all the questions. You put it all together, and there's not one contradiction in it. It's beautiful, man. What a statement Jesus said that in some of these. Shall not taste of death for the sin of son of man coming in his kingdom. While they did not see it with an earthly eye before they died, they did see a picture of it. Is that right? They saw the resurrected. They saw the rapture. They saw the returning kingdom. And they saw the reclaimed Jews. What about that? Here's what I want you to see. You really want to make Matthew 17 come alive to you. Everything they saw. We'll see with a physical eye. What about that? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? My, my, my. Send her feet. You miss the Lord. You miss all the Lord. Never hit by the right Nobody looking at it.